Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bilotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We have Sean Strawbridge with the Port of Corpus Christi. But now, without further ado, I want to bring on associate editor of Shell Magazine and resident energy expert for In the Oil Patch Radio Show, David Blackman. David, welcome to the first show back on the air in 2018. How was your holidays? Oh, it was wonderful. It was absolutely great. Another happy new year, and uh, hopefully it's going to be a good one for everybody. You know, I just have this feeling. I had it over the holidays. I had it for New Year's ringing in. This is, you know, there's we, we definitely live in some interesting and troubling times, but just feeling that there's so much change that's going on of what you just kind of know was common sense change, you know, tightening our belts, getting good people in a place that kind of are looking at um, how do we curtail uh, corruption in our government and um, bureaucracy and all these things, and it just feels like it's going to be a good year to me. Yeah, I think so. I, I agree. I think it's going to be good for for everybody, for the economy and uh, in foreign policy and uh, for the oil and gas industry too. We just honestly, I think, needed – a. Uh, a change uh, for how the world looked at us as well as um, looking at our finances. And um, it's so nice and refreshing to see that while uh, sometimes President Trump can say things that, are, that, you know, kind of tend to shock a lot of the uh, United States, uh, their people, and the way that he kind of communicates to me, I think it's just refreshing because we don't have to be politically correct all the time. And that's kind of how I see him. That's just... Kim's belief on how she sees the new president. So we've had a run on Wall Street for quite some time before the holidays, between the holidays, and then now, you know, this past week, the S&P 500, NASDAQ actually, you know, topped again, closing out. What is going on, do you think, with all these record highs on the stock market? Well, you know, I just think it has to do with the business environment that the uh, administration is creating. And really, it's You've seen the stock market rally since the day after the election in 2016. And so much of uh, the business environment and the conduct of business in this country and planning for business in this country is psychological. It's it's if you're optimistic that you're going to be able to get your business done and the government's not going to be uh, overregulating you at every step of the way and looking over your shoulder at everything you do – you know, you're you're going to be able to get your business done in a much more efficient and profitable fashion, and the stock market is reflective of that. Typically, the, the stock market tends to be predictive of what the business environment's going to be six to eight months down the road. So I think, uh, you know, uh, the big takeaway from all these record highs over the years, uh, over the last year, and that we're still, the stock market is still rising, is that we're probably looking at pretty strong economic growth for 2018 as well. And, uh, you know, that's just great for everybody. We're near full employment now in this country. We've had three consecutive quarters of at least 3% economic growth for the first time in more than a decade. 
and, and that's not an accident. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you, do you think, because I do think that we have, I have seen a couple of times the past administration tell, you know, toot their horn that this is, you know, having to do with some of the policies that they put into place. How likely is that, in your opinion, that that's actually truthful? Well, I think, uh, I don't think it's likely at all. I think it's, uh, the truth is that it's, um, it's really mainly due to the reversal of the policies that were put in place the previous eight years. And, and uh, you know, the, the president announced that they have uh, gotten rid of 20 existing regulations for every new regulation they proposed in 2017. Uh, that's a lot of burden off of businesses back. And the, the truth is the economy could have been performing this well during the Obama years that he uh, had his regulators uh, stop doing what they were doing which was really putting a burden on the entire economy and, and putting, you know, it's like carrying a ball and chain around, carrying all those regulations around, the necessary regulations. And you have to have regulation, but it has to be common sense and, and smart, intelligent regulation that allows companies to get their business done. Uh, what Obama was trying to do was prevent companies from getting their business done, and so it harmed the whole economy, and, and we're seeing the result of the reversal of those policies now. So, in other words, a person that has experience in business is usually a very good person to come into D.C. and try to fix things and get things back uh, in checks and balances, which one of the things that I found very odd when President Obama was elected was that he really didn't have any experience in business whatsoever. I don't think he had ran anything. but No, and he didn't have any advisors who had any experience in business either. I mean, his whole administration was an anti-business administration for eight years, so right. you got what you asked for. Right, which is a horrible track record that he's going to have going down in history. He's probably one of the worst presidents and um, unfortunately, I don't think history is going to be that kind to him. But I want to change gears and talk about what we talk about a lot, which is big oil, oil and gas. What are some of the biggest oil and gas stories that came out of 2017? Well, I think the biggest, I think there were two stories that really dominated everything uh, in 2017. First was uh, this just uh, astonishing success of the OPEC and Russia Export Limitation Agreement. Um, when they went into that agreement in late 2016, they announced their target price for for Brent uh, on the open market for Brent crude would be $65 a barrel. And at the end of 2017, uh, the price for Brent crude oil on the open market was $65 a barrel. So, you know, it, it's been an extremely successful agreement. Uh, it's good for the market that they renewed it through 2018 as well. Uh, the market is essentially rebalanced now, and there's hardly any price volatility anymore. Uh, it's just been extraordinary success. And then the second thing, of course, was, you know, the Trump energy policies. I, I just, uh, and we, of course, we detailed those in the last uh, issue of Shell Magazine. I mean, it's just astonishing what this administration accomplished in one year in, in energy policy with virtually no help at all from Congress. And uh, it's just really been a complete sea change in the direction of the industry. It is so funny to see how everybody in Washington, the Republicans that weren't so pro-Trump, are really pro-Trump now. And it's yeah. nice to see you it. Know, once you start having some success, uh, success breeds friendship up there in Washington, doesn't it? At least temporarily. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll see how long that lasts. But hopefully it lasts for another seven years. Um uh, tell me some of the biggest stories that you think, what, what, what are we looking ahead in 2018 for, for oil and gas? Besides, you know, just kind of hopefully leveling out and being a little uh, more on the stable side, anything else you see coming in the way of big stories? Yeah, no, I think the biggest story for 2018, uh, we're going to look back a year from now at, 
at an oil price uh, that is substantially higher than people are projecting it to be right now. Uh, Goldman Sachs is projecting, for example, an average WTI price of $56 for 2018. Uh, I'd be willing to bet pretty good money that the average price for WTI for 2018 is going to be over $60. Uh, there's a variety of factors that will go into that. Maybe we can discuss those next week when we have more time. But, uh, yeah, I just think we're going to look back a year from now, and, and we're going to be very surprised how high the oil price is. And where it may go in the years years afterwards because of the lack of major discoveries over the last three years. You know, it's really setting up for a pretty big price increase uh, in 2019 and 2020. Very nice. Very nice. Well, I want to switch gears because we do have a new issue out of Shell Magazine. Um, and, of course, it is covering a, a change that has happened at the Port of Corpus Christi, something that has not happened in over 20 years, which is the uh, new CEO, Chief Executive Officer, Sean Strawbridge. And we're actually going to have him on later on in the show. So tell me a little bit about what you see happening with this uh, and exports in 2018. Well, the port is such an amazing success story. It really, truly is. I was just, uh, uh, it's such a learning experience and so fascinating for me. You know, I've been aware of most of what was going on down there, but then to catalog it all into a single article like that was really extraordinary just to see everything that's going on. Everything that John LaRue accomplished in his 23 years and now that Sean Strawbridge is going to build on here in the future. And, uh, you know, Corpus Christi exports, half the crude oil that is exported out of this country goes out of the port of Corpus Christi. I mean, it's truly, truly amazing. And uh, I just think we're going to see a pretty rapid uh, ongoing expansion of, of exports going out of the U.S. Uh, we'll probably be a net exporting country here over the next five to seven years. And the port of Corpus Christi is just going to the, play the major role in that. And, uh, and of course, then you have LNG exports for natural gas as well. We're going to have three new export facilities, including one down in South Texas near the Port of Corpus Christi coming online in 2018 and two more or three or four more actually in 2019. And, and so there's going to be a vast expansion of export of LNG as well. And, and Corpus Christi is going to play a big role in that too. So Sean has a very big job and he's a very capable guy. And uh, the, the port has been very lucky to have such great leadership uh, for the last 23 years, and then somebody so strong to come in and lead it into the future. I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, the the, uh, the feeling that I really want to try to put into words at closing our segment out is it, it almost seems like I want to pinch myself. Wait, are, are we really here? I mean, unemployment is so low. Um, finally, the world is uh, respecting us once again, or it appears that we're on that path. Um, you know, our, our, uh, wall, uh, our stock markets and everybody, everything is just roaring. Energy is, is coming back tenfolds where we're on this march to ener energy dominance, and it clearly shows. There just is so much wonderful things happening, and it's just amazing to see where we went, you know, in one year. And so I'm excited, like I said earlier, in 2018, I'm so excited to see what 2018 is going to bring for all of us. But, David, that's all the time that we have for this show, and I look forward to you coming next week, and we can get a little bit more deeper into oil and gas and talk a little bit about some of the great wins that um, are on the horizon for 2018. Great. I'll look forward to it. And with that, we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hello, my name is Rita Stitch, and I am chairman of the Let's Rodeo Ball Committee. I would like to invite you to our upcoming Let's Rodeo Ball event. 
This party is a fundraiser to benefit the San Antonio Livestock Exposition Scholarship Fund, which helps the youth of Texas further their education. The event will take place on Saturday, January 20th, 2018, in the Joe and Harry Freeman Coliseum in San Antonio. Live entertainment will be provided by the one and only Clay Walker and everyone's favorite, Neil McCoy. Our dance band will be Clint Taft and the Buck Wild Band. Your ticket will include an open bar and catering by San Antonio's best caterer, the RK Group. Tickets and tables are available online at sarodeo.com. Just scroll down to the Let's Rodeo Ball picture or you can call 210-225-5851. That's 210-225-5851, and someone will be glad to assist you. We sure hope to see you there. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. And now I'd like to bring on our guest today, Sean Strawbridge, who is the CEO of the Porta Corpus Christi. Sean, before we start getting into your role, I want to back up just a little bit and talk about who you are and what led you to the Porta Corpus Christi. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, Kim, I've been in the maritime industry for over 25 years. I actually started my career in Houston, Texas. So this is my second tour of duty and Texas. Don't and you while, love Texas? While I'm not from Texas, I got here as fast, fast as, as I could. Can. There you go. Uh, I started with a company called Sealand. Sealand was the inventor of containerized shipping. So I spent a good portion of my career in the container business. Uh, but I did uh, have the itch to branch out into other modalities and uh, liquid bulk. Uh, and the energy sector was something that was very interesting for me. Uh, so I spent some time uh, with one of the Koch brothers, uh, doing some work for uh, for his company, adding additional terminals into his portfolio. Uh, when the Port of Corpus Christi came knocking a couple of years ago, looking for a, a succession plan, and I guess they uh, liked what they saw, and and uh, equally I was impressed with what I saw uh, happening in Corpus, the direction of the energy markets in general, and, and the role that the Port of Corpus Christi could play in particular. And uh, so it, it seemed like a nice fit. And here we are two and a half years later, and the board, I guess, liked the, uh, the direction that we were going. And so I have the good fortune of following in uh, one of the most tenured and well-respected uh, port directors in the country, John LaRue. And he uh, has been a good guide for me over the last couple of years, getting my feet about me at the Port of Corpus Christi and in South Texas. And so we don't see too much uh, change in the near term, extreme change in the near term. We're just going to continue the formula that uh, John has established, uh, which seems to be a, a formula for success. Well, what what uh, drew my attention is most people, uh, when you come to a company, usually don't excel to a CEO, which, by the way, from my understanding, is a brand new created position within the port that they never had before you came aboard and created this position and within two and a half years you're it you're the next uh, leader in this big role and I, I think a lot of times we also don't quite understand the importance when we talk about energy and our ports for exporting and importing our oil and, and liquefied natural gas but that being said I want to talk a little bit about so now you are the CEO you, this is a new role come the new year, and there's been a lot of, uh, you know, just to kind of give uh, our listeners an understanding, so the port has uh, about 6,000 ships and barges coming through in any every year. That's right. And you have about 13,000 
uh, acres of industrialized complex within that too. So this is a huge, not a small port. Is it like the fourth largest port? Uh, that's that's right. By tonnage, uh, the amount of tons that we ship through the Port of Corpus Christi annually puts us number four in the country uh, behind a 50-mile stretch of the Mississippi called the South uh, Mississippi State Port Authority. Uh, that's number one in the country. Number two is the Port of Houston. And number three is the Port of New York, New Jersey. And number four is the Port of Corpus Christi. So we have moved up uh, in the rankings uh, of our volumes significantly over the last decade. Uh, and, and I think the reason for the creation of the, the CEO uh, role and title by this board that I serve at the pleasure of is because the port, while it is a government agency, it is run as if it was a business, a private for-profit enterprise. Uh, the only difference is uh, we don't take our profits and distribute them to shareholders. Our shareholders are essentially the users of the port. And so we take those profits and we reinvest them back into infrastructure to help our customers continue to remain competitive uh, in their businesses. And that's a great relationship of both government and private industry uh, working together. You have probably heard the term public-private partnership Mm -hmm. or P3s. Uh, That's a term that is uh, thrown around a lot. Uh, But ports in general, and certainly the Port of Corpus Christi in particular, are shining examples of P3s, public-private partnerships, that actually uh, work. And so when we look at our customers uh, who are investing over $50 billion right now in private privately funded industrial projects, we've got to do our part to ensure that the supporting infrastructure uh, will make those investments uh, worthy of the returns that those those companies' shareholders uh, uh, expect from them. So it's a great uh, way to run a business, but we also have uh, the ability to raise capital as a government agency at a lower cost than, than private industry, and we want to put that capital to work for our private industrial customers. Now, also understanding that the port in its history uh, back in the 70s was primarily a port that serviced a lot of refineries. And with the new shale revolution that occurred and, of course, the lifting of the ban that happened in 2015 of us being allowed now the United States to export oil, a lot of things have changed really, really quickly. And this is why the Port of Corpus Christi has become such an important port to the United States. And so I, I really do want to get into well, what do these things look like as far as the growth under your leadership? And then also, you mentioned something that's really important to me. You're showing that government uh, doesn't always do things in the best ways financially. And sure. so to see that if you're going to attract these major corporations, uh, oil corporations are investing billions and billions of dollars in infrastructure. They definitely want to know that, okay, we need to be on solid ground here with this port. Um, And so I want to get into um, some of that of how are you reassuring these companies that you will uh, or that the port is 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 pretty much on path. So we are going to take a quick break. But when we return, I want to get back into what does this look like in the future for these companies to invest? And of course, there's a lot more to talk about with pipeline, the deepening of uh, the port, as well as the new Harbor Bridge. So stay tuned. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. You know, great companies take great care of their employees. 
Ensure the well-being of your workforce with Baptist Healthy Solutions, your answer to convenient and affordable health care that comes to you. Our mobile health unit delivers on-site, state-of-the-art, comprehensive care that keeps your employees healthy from the day they're hired till the day they retire. From pre-employment screenings to routine immunizations to on-site injury care and more, trust Baptist Healthy Solutions with your workforce health care needs. Health care that comes to you. Call 866-334-2485. Again, that's 1-866-334-2485. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. And we're back. Our guest today is Sean Strawbridge, the new CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi. And Sean, before the break, I was kind of covering just how large and how really well run the Port of Corpus Christi has been that has kind of poised itself, if you will, to be really in the right place at the right time when the oil export ban that was lifted, as well as um, you guys were just kind of preparing for this day for the last 20 years under, you know, what you said earlier, the past leadership of uh, John LaRue, and of course now you being there. I want to kind of jump into the oil export ban that was uh, lifted back in 2015. Talk to me a little bit about what happened to the Port of Corpus Christi. What did you see were some of the really important game changers? Were there any game changers pertaining to, I'm sure there was, the Port of Corpus Christi really taking that role and saying we are going to be the port that is really going to focus on energy and, of course, now our path to energy dominance? Yeah, well, Kim, if you look at the shale renaissance that this country is experiencing, and certainly Texas leads uh, the nation in uh, in energy production. That was the rocket that really started to propel our growth. And if the shale renaissance was the rocket, the export, the repeal of the export ban on crude was the rocket fuel. Yeah. Uh, and so we have seen this meteoric growth uh, over the last uh, eight years. And it's difficult for infrastructure to keep up with that type of growth. Infrastructure does not happen overnight. It takes a long time to plan. It takes a long time to build. It's very capital intensive. But we've had a bit of a vision, and some of it is 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 what I would call to use a gambling term, betting on the come, that um, we're going to, you know, we're going to uh, see that that continued growth. And so we're making the necessary investments to bring the certainty. And you mentioned something before the break about, you know, what is the market wanting what do our customers want? Well, what they want from the port is they want a high degree of certainty that when their 
projects are completed, whether that's pipelines from the Permian, whether that's new terminals that they're building or new storage facilities uh, around the Corpus Christi ship channel, that when those investments are completed, those projects are completed, that the ship channel has been deepened and widened to accommodate the larger classification of ships that can handle more product on one ship because those transportation cost savings are significant. They could be up over a million dollars per vessel uh, just with the deeper draft uh, capability that we're looking to uh, to get to. And our target is to have that project completed by 2021. Uh, we can't do it alone. Uh, the federal government it has a responsibility to also contribute some funds. And so a lot of the challenges that, that we face, and I uh, spent a lot of time in D.C. Uh, walking the halls and evangelizing uh, the great uh, – narrative that this that these this project has and this port has uh but it's it's a difficult time right now when you look at the political environment uh to get people's attention but that that's really what our focus is is to bring that certainty uh to the market uh as quickly as we can now you guys also made history of having the first ship leave the port of corpus christi uh after the uh uh, export ban had been lifted. It was ConocoPhillips that actually left the port of Corpus Christi, correct? And yeah, ConocoPhillips produced crude. Uh, Vital was the trader that uh, that bought it from ConocoPhillips. It went sailed from a New Star uh, facility and it went over to Italy, and that uh, those barrels ended up in the mid continent, uh, uh, Austria, perhaps uh, Switzerland, somewhere in that area uh, for refining. Uh, and since that time, uh, we have grown to where now. Uh, over 70% of our total crude volumes are for international markets. We do still ship to other U.S. ports on what we call Jones Act uh, vessels. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, there's a, a Jones Act is a cabotage type of legislation that uh, protects uh, uh, intracoastal uh, shipments. Uh, but uh, over 70% now is going to international markets. And if you think about that, two years ago, we didn't have any of that volume. Exactly. So that's all incremental volume Exactly, for and I us. want to read a report from the uh, IEA that by mid-2020, the United States will become the world's largest liquefied natural gas exporter. And then, of course, a few years later, we're poised to be the net exporter of oil as well. We have not seen this back since 1950. So we, we I don't think that the general public really has a great understanding, uh, if you will, of really how significant and amazing this is for the United States and where we are headed. And so obviously um, our ports are vital parts of these components to make sure that we get here. And of course the port of Corpus Christi is probably uh, one of the most vital. So when we return from break, I want to bring us back into switching gears just a little bit and talking about the port is important for oil and gas, but it also has more functions within uh, the port. And I also want to understand how is Corpus Christi, the residents, the city, um, how are they handling all of the great stuff that's happening within the the Corpus Christi? Is the city itself prepared with infrastructure to receive more businesses and more traffic? And uh, and so do you feel the leadership uh, in the city of Corpus Christi uh, is also preparing for this uh, wonderful thing that's getting ready to happen. Uh, but we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oil field experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210 210- 
471-1923. Have you heard of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, the largest state association in the country? 87 years strong serving independence, and it's right here in Texas. Offices in Houston, Austin, and Wichita Falls. Over 3,000 members of all ages like you who are in the oil and gas industry or who have family members and friends who are. Company members range from one employee to large independents. Lobbying, networking events, and saving you money. For a membership tailored just to fit your budget, contact Sandy Simon at sandis at texasalliance.org or call 281-997-7223. That's 281-997-7223. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Sean Strawbridge, the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi. And Sean, before the break, I read a statement that the uh, IEA basically released discussing that we are poised by 2020 to um, be the largest distributor of liquid natural gas as well as a net exporter of oil. And so I want to talk to you about some other media reports. Tell me about some media reports you're seeing. And then, of course, I definitely want you to talk about Mexico because Mexico is a very important strategic partner to the United States as well. Sure. Uh, well, Kim, I, I don't know that we'll uh, get to a place where we're a net exporter of uh, of oil. Uh, and the reason for that is most of our refineries, particularly those in the Gulf, are uh, tooled for heavier slates of, of crude. And, and most of the U.S. production is a, a lighter, sweeter barrel um, that is uh, has a more attractive uh, market position in places like Europe, uh, certainly Asia. Uh, but we're seeing more refineries retool to be able to handle more of the lighter, sweeter uh, slates. And uh, so you will certainly see a reduction on uh, imports of crude uh, as we continue to increase our production. But all of the, the incremental production that we're seeing for crude oil right now is, is probably going to displace other producers, Russia certainly, uh, Saudi Arabia, perhaps Iran. Uh, when you look at some of the political instabilities in those uh, regions of the world right. relative to an American barrel. An American barrel seems to be a safer, uh, more steady uh, uh, supply. And so if you're uh, a, a refiner uh, or you're a consumer of oil, and I think every nation on the planet is, uh, you know, you, the, an American barrel is not controlled by uh, a cartel like OPEC or it's not controlled by uh, some sort of uh, despot like uh, like Russia. Uh, where they wake up one day and decide they don't want to sell oil to a, a particular uh, trading partner. Um, and so there's, a, we think, an attractiveness from a security standpoint. It also adds to uh, the United States' geopolitical strength. Uh, you know, we want our allies to, uh, to, to have a safe, steady supply of energy. But we will, we are certainly on track to be a net exporter of energy if you add the natural gas in there. And you were you were absolutely correct. The last time the United States was a net exporter of its produced energy was uh, 1953, I believe. So it's been a couple generations uh, since that has happened, and and this is this is certainly good for the U.S. as we have had a mushrooming trade deficit. Uh, so exporting U.S. produced energy helps reduce that trade deficit. Certainly brings some of those American dollars back. You know, we don't want to send just our dollars to China. We'd love to have some of those dollars come back in the form of them buying 
uh, crude and natural gas. And, and China is clearly a, a market that we uh, stay focused on uh, and, 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 and have already done shipments to China. Uh, so it's, it's, it's to, to be on the tip of the spear, as I like to say, uh, of this new market dynamic at Corpus Christi is really exciting. We've got a great group of men and women uh, that work very hard to ensure that we uh, are delivering a product we can be proud of. And we're not just looking at those markets. You know, our biggest trading partner, uh, uh, believe it or not, is Mexico. Uh, you know, we're the largest refining center closest to Mexico. Mexico is net uh, consumer of transportation fuels. Uh, they continue to decline in their transportation fuel production, which increases their appetite for imports. And the United States is a natural uh, a natural supplier. Uh, so we see a lot more growth in Mexico uh, and multiple modalities, vessels, pipelines, rail. Uh, so we're seeing a lot of different uh, uh, connectivity uh, structures to be able to serve uh, the Mexican market as well. You brought up uh, pipelines, and I want to go back to that too, because it seems like um, I think I have read that there's four that have now been announced uh, coming in from Permian Basin. So Permian Basin is the largest shale play occurring right now in the United States. They have the highest rig count out there. They also are strategically kind of stuck in, in not such a great place for getting their crude to the market. And so we're seeing a lot of uh, infrastructure projects coming out of Permian Basin leading straight into Corpus Christi as well. We sure we sure are. And that's uh, exciting. Because- it's very exciting. And, and, and those investments, unlike, for example, you heard at the top of the, of the, of the show when I talked about my, my past in containers, you know, containers are fungible uh, in terms of their modality. A container can go to any port uh, that can handle a container. But when you talk about these pipelines that are being built, and these are, each pipeline is a, at least a billion-dollar investment from the Permian into Corpus. And, and I think there's been a half a dozen crude Lines that have been announced, and and probably a similar amount of gas lines that have been announced. Uh, so it it appears to be an arms race, as yes, I like to my, call my. it. There's but, a lot going on. <laughs> but but not all of those will get built. But even if we see uh, two or three crude lines and a similar amount of gas lines, that is exponential growth. That represents exponential growth for uh, the Port of Corpus Christi, uh, and all of those are destined for the international markets. You know, if you think about Houston, Houston is a huge refining center, and Corpus will never have the same refining capacity as Houston, and same with Petrochemical. But uh, we look at Houston as really serving the national appetite, uh, whereas Corpus is the gateway to the rest of the global markets. Uh, and, and by having Permian pipelines coming direct to Corpus, it creates an opportunity for the consumer, uh, the oil consumer, to... Uh, acquire what what I'm going to call a neat barrel. It's not a barrel that's gone into Cushing where there are multiple different pipelines from different fields going in there. It's it's essentially, you know you're getting a Permian barrel, just like the Eagleford. We've got a tremendous amount of takeaway capacity from the Eagleford formation into Corpus. Uh, so you know you're getting a neat Eagleford barrel. And we think there's some attractiveness for that uh, from the overseas consumer as they uh, continue to kick the tire, so to speak, on on uh, American barrels and, and being able to refine them in their markets. Well, what I like to see is if you think about there's so much economic development that's occurring indirectly for the great citizens of Texas, and these are great jobs, high-paying jobs, job security. Um, and so, and um, great for the, the uh, men and women of the Texas, South Texas Coastal Bend and Corpus Christi in particular. You mentioned Corpus Christi uh, in the earlier segment. 
certainly the the region as a whole is working uh, in tandem to ensure that you know not only do we have the infrastructure in place to handle uh, the uh, the industrial uh, product, but we also have uh, the homes in place for the new workers. Uh, you know that we've and got restaurants and shops too. and things like that. Yeah. So we do have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to change topics a little bit and talk about the state as a whole and how uh, how it is uh, working within the Port of Corpus Christi or how the Port of Corpus Christi is basically looking at the state of Texas. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. PISA is the Petroleum Equipment and Services Association, who is the unified voice for the energy industry's service, supply, and manufacturing organizations, advocating and supporting continued achievements in job creation, technological innovation, and economic stability. PISA provides corporate membership opportunities in two categories, industry and allied. Over the years, a lot of amazing companies have become members of PISA, but don't take my word for it. Click on the directory on their website and see for yourself. In order to become a member of PISA, all you need to do is go to PESA.org, click on the membership tab, and fill out an application. Once again, that's PESA.org. And we're back. Our guest today is Sean Strawbridge, the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi. Uh, Sean, we've had a lot of great discussions on port, port business, the growth, the phenomenal growth, um, the uh, shell, how it has come in and kind of been a game changer for the Port of Corpus Christi. But just like with anything, there is funding issues. There is, um, does, does everybody in the state, our, our Texas legislators, do they understand uh, how important these ports are? So I want to kind of cover a little bit about the financing and the funding part of the port. Um, so talk to me a little bit about do do you think that um, our state is supporting the ports enough? Do you think that you have enough funding to continue all the projects so Texas is moving forward with the ports? Well, certainly there are. Uh, the state has been uh, supportive uh, to a point. Uh, you know, the state clearly has uh, some budgetary challenges, as many states do. Um, our delegation, led by uh, Chairman Hunter, uh, uh, Todd Hunter, and, and Chewy Hinojosa on the Senate side, have been uh, you know, strong advocates, been champions for us. And, and at the federal level, uh, every member uh, of Congress on, on both sides of the aisle and, and actually both sides of, of Congress on the Senate and, uh, uh, and the House have been extremely supportive of uh, ports in general and, and Corpus Christi in particular. The challenge is always how do you pay for it? Right. And we... <laughs> You That's know, always we, the challenge. It, it is. And we, we have tax authority as a government agency, but we've never exercised that tax authority. And that's a, that's a badge of honor that we're very proud of. Uh, and we don't want to ever have to exercise that tax authority if we don't need to. And if we continue to run uh, as a business and focus on our bottom line, focus on cost control, uh, focus on making investments where we're going to get the biggest bang for our buck, uh, then I think that we will continue to sustain uh, ourselves for the long term. The port's been around for 90 years. Uh, there's no reason to think that we can't be around for another 90. But we've got to we've got to elevate our sophistication. We've got to elevate our game uh, as we execute. You know, one of the things that when we look at competition, um, the oil and gas markets in general, and specifically attracting other ancillary industries, manufacturing, reshoring manufacturing because of the the cheap, steady supply of energy that we have here. The fact that down in the uh, South Texas Coastal Bend region, uh, we're still in air attainment. So our clean air uh, doesn't mandate then that anybody making industrial investments there have to buy uh, carbon credit offsets. Right. Uh, our air is still pretty good. Uh, and, and, and we take pride in monitoring that and making sure when we're bringing in new customers that they're not going to tip that scale there. Um, 
Because that saves everybody uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars. Not to mention, I'm sure the community appreciates. Of course, sure, of sure. Um, you know, my family lives there. Uh, we all deserve uh, clean water, clean air, as as every uh, uh, citizen of the state of Texas does. And and we take pride in in working closely with the TCQ uh, and the EPA uh, to ensure that uh, we're managing our growth in a responsible, sustainable manner. But how to pay for that is always the challenge. Um, we have investment grade ratings, so we can go and issue uh, additional debt and likely will uh, to fund some of our projects. But uh, the, I think the state and the federal government needs to recognize the value of ports. And that's always the challenge is not every port uh, is created equal. Port of Corpus Christi is primarily an export port of U.S. produced energy. So we think that's a pretty good story relative to, say, a container port in California that's importing Chinese-made goods and exacerbating the uh, the trade deficit. That's our narrative. Uh, at the end of the day, though, all ports are job creators and, and economic engines, and they're vital to the overall success of the state and the nation uh, as uh, as the world continues to get smaller and we expand our you know our, our trading partners and our trading dollars. So you. You know, you said that you get support uh, and um, you believe they have an understanding at the state level and at the federal level. But our new president has pretty much said he is on a path for energy dominance. And so I'm wondering, this should be a very easy sale for him. It, it should be. It, it absolutely should be. And he's got a great advisor in uh, DJ Gribben uh, who understands uh, the nuances. Uh, you know, the vision is to do more public-private partnerships. Uh, and, and we want to be a part of that, certainly. Um, we've got to clear some of the red tape and the bureaucracy out of the way. I think that's what he's really trying to do. Ab- he's absolutely. Been doing pretty good with you it. know, the Army Corps <laughs> of Engineers, for example, you know, they're a partner uh, of ours, but uh, they are uh, difficult at times. Uh, they can be extremely bureaucratic. Uh, at times, they can be slow and cumbersome. Uh, we've got to uh, figure out ways that they can execute on projects uh, better, faster, cheaper. Uh, uh, or look at other alternatives, for example, the port, letting the port execute on those projects uh, and, uh, and and having them be more of a regulatory oversight body and not necessarily the construction uh, ex- executor. And, and that's not, I don't, I don't want people to think that that's a criticism of the core. It's just they are uh, hamstrung by the uh, appropriations process. And, and, and I'll leave your, you and your, your listeners with this, you know, there used to be earmarks in this country, uh, federal earmarks for, for uh, infrastructure projects, and that's how most infrastructure projects were done. And earmarks became a, a, a dirty word right. in, in Washington uh, with the last administration, and they were banned in 2010. And, I th- and, and while th- I think the intent was good, the unintended consequences now, infrastructure projects take much longer in the absence of earmarks, and, and the demands for infrastructure continue to increase. So Funding is truly an issue that this country is going to need to figure out, and we're not immune from that at the Port Corpus Christi. So we have about a minute left, and I want to close out with you are new, and you um, also, I'm sure, have a vision. So where do you see the port in five years, ten years under your leadership? Well, I think, as I said before, our formula for success is already there. The foundation's been laid. We've just got to really focus on execution We've got to build uh, infrastructure to meet our customers' demands in the time frame in which they want it and with the economics that will support uh, sufficient returns. Uh, uh, beyond that, I think attracting more talent uh, to the region uh, because as we grow, we're going to need to 
uh, have some bright young minds fill those uh, those positions, both in tradecraft and professional. And we want to be a part of that. Uh, we want to make Corpus Christi uh, essentially the uh, the place that people want to move to when they come to Texas. Well, and you bring up a good point in closing is that um, from what I can see, there's a lot of upward mobility in the Port of Corpus Christi because it's growing. So uh, the job opportunities and moving up that corporate ladder, if you will, they are there for really anyone. Certainly. They so, certainly are. But we would like to see the the younger millennials, the ones that have all the talent in the way of uh, data and um, just analytics and stuff to come and, and check out the port. Absolutely. See. We want those uh, those bright, fresh, young minds uh, to be a part of our future, and we need to invest in tomorrow's leaders today. There you go. Well, Sean, thank you for being a guest on thank today's you, show, and we look forward to having you back, hopefully, in the near future for an update. I look forward to it. Thank you. Well, that's all the time we have for this show. Be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash in the oil patch radio show or follow us on Twitter at ShellMag. That's going to wrap up another great show. We look forward to seeing you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews. Until then, adios. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. 